0: Let's pray as usual. Father, we pray that you would show us how to live wisely and how to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, Those of you who are uh, new here or who are perhaps visitors Uh, may have suspicions about our motives for leaving out the last bit of Ephesians chapter 5 relating to marriage relationships. But fear not, uh, we don't edit the Bible and leave out those bits we find difficult. We looked at that two weeks ago and that's why we're not looking at it today. Uh, but I ask that the earlier part of Chapter 5 be read, because that sets the context for our reading today. It was just a pity I forgot to tell both Eddie and the uh, vision desk that I was doing that, so I apologise that you were caught by surprise uh, by that bit of the reading. Uh, what we're looking at uh, today is two types of relationship. Uh, parents and children, and masters and slaves. And assuming you don't regard your children as slaves, you may wonder what the link between those two things is. Um, The the link is this, that back in Paul's day, a characteristic household would have comprised at least one married couple, uh, some children, and a slave or more. Uh, And of course the slaves might have been married and had children. But even more important than that, the link is that these are all examples of the great principle that Paul states in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So it may be today that when we're looking at these relationships, you think, well, they don't really apply to me. But think about the principles involved and think about applying them to whatever relationships you are uh, involved in. So let's turn to them. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, Not much room for doubt there. Children are to obey their parents. Of course, whenever the Bible says that we are to obey a human being, there's always an unspoken qualification. The unspoken qualification is obey so long as that obedience doesn't involve disobedience to God the superior authority. So if a father were to command their children to worship another god, to cease to follow Christ, or to commit murder or something, then of course the child not only isn't bound to obey, but should not obey. But that apart, the principle is absolutely clear. Children are to obey their parents. And that's not a new thought from Paul of course it comes from the fifth commandment, honour your father and mother. And Paul points out that the significance of that commandment is emphasised by the fact that it's the first commandment with a promise attached to it. It's actually the only commandment with a promise attached to it. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Uh, When you first hear that, you may think that that's a promise, that if we obey our parents, we'll live to a good old age. Uh, But that's not what it's saying. It's, It's actually quoting the fifth commandment. And what it says literally is that you may enjoy a long life in the land, which is itself an abbreviation of the Exodus passage where it says, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Promised Land, in other words. This was originally addressed to the Israelites, and it is saying that if you collectively want to live long in that land, then you better have appropriate relationships within the family, and that it, it, you should recognize that you are to respect, to, to honor your fathers and mothers. Now, you may think, well, yeah, that was great, but that was the Israelites 3,000 years ago. What's that got to do? with us. Well, the reason that Paul quoted it to the Ephesians, who were no more in the promised land than we are today, is that he recognized the principle still applies. God has ordered the world so that at its heart, there are these family relationships. And having appropriate family relationships, including specifically here, recognizing that children should obey their parents, Is the right way to order society to live appropriately for our own benefit, that it may go well for us. But of course, there's another side to every relationship. Verse 4 Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And just before any mothers present think they're off the hook, there's absolutely no reason why that doesn't apply to you as well. And if you note, there's both a positive and a negative there. First of all, negatively, fathers do not exasperate your children. Now, I do recognize that some children are quite easily exasperated. And and what this is not saying is fathers don't ever ask your children to do things they don't want to do. Uh, No, it's not saying that. It's saying something more subtle. The clue is given in the parallel passage to this uh, in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, where what Paul says is don't discourage your children. You see, the objective of all of this is to bring up children appropriately so that they grow up to be Christian adults, so that they grow up, as it says positively here, uh, knowing in the, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's go back to that point, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. What's the purpose of this discipline? It's not just so that you as parents can feel superior because I'm superior, therefore children obey me, etc. No, it's not. You actually are called upon to submit in this sense, to devote yourself to their instruction and training because that's submitting to their needs rather than your own or my own. Now, the interesting thing about this bit is of course we refer to it every time we baptise a child. We did so this morning. Uh, you, uh, Mario, and you, Erin, committed to bring up uh, uh, Lola, uh, Lula. I was close. Uh, uh, in <laughs> uh, 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 you committed to bring her up uh, as a Christian, following the Lord. But but I bet most of us here. Have done that. And we say those words, we hear those words every time there's a baptism. The question is, do we do it? Now, I know my children have grown up, but as I was preparing this sermon, I thought back about what I'd done. And, you know, I know it's too late now, but I have to say, I was a bit convicted. I wonder what proportion of my time I spent bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord as compared with the proportion I brought up focusing on academic achievement, as compared with, in other cases, though not mine, the proportion spent on sport and that kind of thing. Is the balance right? We do all have to ask ourselves that. And it can apply equally to grandchildren and and others in the family. I know many Christians who've really helped their nephews and nieces, etc., now it'd be lovely now to spend some time thinking about the detail of that, what it means in practice. But I haven't got time. To do that. The best I can do is promise that we are going to be focusing on parenting in uh, uh, coming months and I hope years uh, and as a start of that in the autumn Matt Baker is going to be running a course particularly directed at p- parents with teenage children or perhaps children who are heading in that direction so we can we can look forward to that and uh, in due course hopefully we'll be able to do more things where we can all support one another in this bringing up of the children but for the moment we've got to move on and we've got to move on to the subject of slaves and masters verse five slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey christ of course i know that there are a number of Christians who really worry about the fact that the Bible does not expressly condemn slavery. Again, I haven't got time to go into that today. But if that is something that worries you, particularly if it even undermines your confidence in the Bible, please, please, please come and speak to me afterwards. Because there really is nothing to be worried about there. It's very easy to explain. Um, but it just takes a bit of time. So if you are worried do come and have a word. For the moment, though, let's just focus on what it does say, which is very clearly, slaves are to obey their earthly masters, to respect and fear them, and do it with sincerity of heart. But let's read on. Obey them, verse six. Not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. What it literally says is, serve wholeheartedly as to the Lord. What does that mean? It's easy, if we just read it quickly, to assume that what Paul is saying to those slaves who are part of the Ephesian congregation, look, when you serve your masters, pretend you're serving the Lord. I know you're not, but pretend you are. That's how you should do it. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, slaves, serve your masters because as you do that, you are, in fact, Serving the Lord. That is part of your Christian service, is what he's saying. And that's really important. I do realise that none of us are slaves. I've got that far. But this is relevant to us for a very simple reason. If Paul was telling slaves, people who are not free, that they should serve their human masters as their service of God... How much more should we serve those to whom we owe duties as our service to God? And specifically, that relates to our day-to-day jobs, whether paid or unpaid, whatever the nature of them. Uh, There are some Christians who give the impression that they view their jobs so negatively that they think they are serving God in spite of. Of their jobs. It's a pretty depressing situation to be in. There are still more Christians, and by the way, I was one of them for many years, who think they're serving God in addition to their secular jobs. Yes, yes, I perform my job during the day and in the evening I serve Christ. But this passage doesn't view it like that at all. What it's saying is is that we should serve God in and through our secular jobs. I I, I should stress that that doesn't mean that our secular jobs in some way are related to redemption or anything like that. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. The gospel alone leads to redemption. But our service of God comes in and through our everyday lives. That's what we've focused on in the past in this church and and, and still try to do so, about serving God, not just in the 10 hours we might spend in church, but in the 110 hours that we're awake and not in church. Again, I'd love to say lots more about that. And and I, I do urge you to think more about it. And if you'd like some help in thinking that through, yet again, please come and have a word afterwards and I can refer you to some materials that will help you. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I should say those largely comprised talks by me. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it, uh, but, but, but given in the context uh, of, of the city and, and, and work. Um, yes, where was I? Right. Again, there is another side to this relationship. Verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. In other words, if you owe duties to someone, if you're an authority over somebody, then you should be serving God by serving them you might think well what does that do to my authority you know does that mean I cease to be the boss absolutely not what it means though is you become a servant boss think about Christ the servant king did Christ cease to be the king did he cease to be the boss by doing what he did for us no of course he didn't But he showed what it really meant to exercise authority in this way. He submitted. And we are called upon to submit. You see, what Paul was saying here is, Masters, just remember that you may have authority over your slaves in this world. But before God, you're in exactly the same position. God is the master of you both and he shows no favoritism. And that's true, of course, today. The person who is the most junior employee and the CEO are in exactly the same position before God. And wherever you are in whatever situation you find yourself in, you and I need to remember those things. We need to reflect on that and reflect it in our actions. So those are the specifics. Children and parents masters and servants. But before we finish this um, mini-series, we just need to pull back and think about what Paul has been saying in this passage more generally, uh, including what we considered two weeks ago. You see, a number of people today suggest that what's being said here. Uh, comes from an ancient society and is based on ancient values and ancient attitudes and as a result is at best irrelevant and at worst downright wrong. You'll hear that said even by people uh, in the church today. I don't mean this church. But it's completely misconceived that. You see, Paul wasn't advocating the values and attitudes of the culture of his day he was challenging them and he's challenging us albeit the challenge is subtly different because we live in a different world to illustrate this I I, I want you to imagine something I want you to imagine that you are an educated non-christian greek living in Paul's day yeah, I know it's difficult, but try. <laughs> Educated, non-Christian Greek living in Paul's den. Imagine, its not me standing, standing here. Sorry. It's Paul, and he's saying these things. Just think for a moment how you'd react. Now, he says two things, basically, about each relationship. One about one side of it, and one about the other side of it. And I think you'd find there was much you'd agree with, at least in one aspect of each relationship. Just imagine it. Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Educated, non-Christian Greek. Yes, well said, Paul. Uh, quite right. I, I don't like this religious mumbo jumbo, but 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 actually, it's right. The men should be the leaders. Wives should should follow. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment. Well said, Paul. Yes, quite right, uh, Paul. Uh, Pity about the Jewish stuff, but park that. Uh, um, This is right. Society is based on obedience. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Paul, again don't really follow your logic but this is key if slaves don't obey society will collapse so in relation to those if you imagine it you might have been reasonably happy a bit confused by some of the logic but, but but reasonably happy but then what about the other ends of those relationships husbands Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, making her holy. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Steady on, Paul. Now look, men have a lot of responsibilities in society. Wives should just be satisfied that they are protected and looked after. They might have said that. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, I I agree with this religious instruction, though I don't agree with the religion. Uh, But but this non-exasperation, children have no right to be exasperated. They should simply obey. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven... And there is no favouritism with him. Now you really have gone too far now, Paul. That undermines society. If you encourage slaves to believe they are equal, society will collapse. You see, the non-Christian educated Greek would have approved of some but not others. Because Paul wasn't parroting his culture Yes, there were some things he said that at a superficial level were acceptable in his culture but only at a superficial level. Once you applied his logic in getting there in practice, the practice would soon part company with the secular or pagan world of his day. But in other aspects, he was just going straight against the culture of his day. Now think about our day. You see, Paul is doing the same thing for us, albeit the things that constitute the biggest challenge to us are completely different, almost the reverse, of the things that constituted the challenge to Paul's audience, original audience. Now, put yourself now in the position of an educated, non-Christian Londoner. I hope at least two bits of that are reasonably easy. Um, uh, Today... And let's think again about what Paul says. But this time I'm going to reverse the, uh, the, the bits of the relationship considered first. Let's imagine you were listening to Paul, not me, with that context. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Quite right, Paul. A bit of religious mumbo-jumbo there absolutely husbands need to recognize their responsibilities women have rights right fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord quite right paul well i'm a little bit concerned about this religious instruction but we'll come back to that but actually children also have rights fathers need to be very careful how they treat their children and masters treat your slaves in the same way do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no favoritism with him absolutely Paul quite right all people are equal there should be no hierarchy in this world well said though I concede your logic is a little bit uh, funny there Now what about the other bits? The bits, which in Paul's day were acceptable to the culture. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Hang on a moment, Paul. Where's this leading? This sounds very hierarchical stuff. We need to be careful of this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother well up to a point Paul but again you're getting this hierarchy back in this has led to terrible abuses slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart now you really have gone too far Paul this is using religion to support unjust societal structures do you get the point? you see The Ephesians to whom Paul was writing were being challenged. They had been brought up in a pagan, or perhaps more accurately called secular pagan, world, and they had doubtless absorbed, without even realizing it, the values, the attitudes, the assumptions of that society. And Paul was saying to them, well, Some of these things are okay but just watch the logic because in practice you'll soon part company with the secular world on them. And in relation to other things, he was just saying society's just got it wrong, straight out. The culture's wrong. And in there the challenge was this. Paul was saying, you need to obey God. Are you going to do so? And the challenge to us is exactly the same. We may not appreciate it, but we all have absorbed the values, assumptions, uh, approaches of our society. I have to pull myself up time and again thinking, hang on a moment, I'm just absorbing that from the world around me, I haven't even thought it through. We, we, We all do it. And what Paul's saying here is, well, some of those things, you know, broadly conform at a superficial level to God's teaching. But only at a superficial level. You'll soon part company. But other things need to be challenged right out, some aspects of our culture. And the challenge to us is whether we are prepared to put God's will ahead of our culture. Let's go back to verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Bible doesn't teach that things have got better or worse. That could have been said at any time in the last 2,000 years. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. That's fundamental to leading our lives. And in the context of relationships, what we've been looking at recently is is both a general point and a specific. In general terms, the Christian way is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The world talks an awful lot today about asserting our rights. It's not what God says. God says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then in terms of the specifics, well, that's what we've been looking at for the last two weeks. That's what God's will is. What we have to do is think about that and decide that we really are going to follow God's way, even if that means we stand out in the world and even if it means that we reject the culture of the world The Ephesian Christians had to do that. The challenge is whether we're prepared to follow them. Amen.